Loving Father in heaven, I come to you weak, frail, human, and a sinner. But a sinner who loves you and loves to preach the word direct, clear, and bold. That people may fall in love with you. They may know right from wrong, dear Father. And so I ask you very simply to do for me what you promised to do for Moses. When you said to him in Exodus chapter 4 verse 12, Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Teach me now, I pray, and teach your people. In Jesus' name, amen. In love and lost. Let's read some familiar passages in the Bible. John 14, reading from verse 15. Let's go there. Excuse me. John 14, reading from verse 15. This is Jesus Christ speaking, and if you have a red-letter Bible, the words should be in red. If ye love me, finish the verse, keep my commandments. Give me one word for keep my commandments. Obey. Let's reason together. God says, The way to show your love for me is to do what I say. If you love me, and God leaves it up to you and to me to decide if we love him. He does not say, because you love me, then he would be assuming. If you say you love me, keep my commandments. Let's go to verse 21. If a man love me, he will keep my what? He that hath my commandments, I should say, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. So he's repeating in 21 what he said in 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And he says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Let's go to verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my word. Now the word, word, means commandment. If a man love me, he will keep my word or my commandment. That's verse 23. Verse 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. That's the one who loves me. The Bible doesn't say, If ye love me, tell me. It says, if you love me, obey me. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. We'll read verses 2 and 3. Our subject, in love and lost. 1 John chapter 5, reading verses 2 and 3. Towards the back of the Bible. Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, 1st John. By this we know that we love the children of God when we do what? Love God, finish the verse, and keep his commandments. Or you could say when we love God by keeping his commandments. Loving God and keeping his commandments are not really two different things. The obedience is just the love in action. Inactive love is dead. Let me say that again. Where there's no obedience, there's no love. 
James 2.26 says, For as the spirit without the body, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. You can apply that to love and obedience. For as love has no obedience is dead. I want the reassurance that I'm getting through to you. Where there is no obedience, there is no love. Let's go to 2 John. <clears throat> well, let's read verse 3 first. I said verse 3 of 1 John chapter 5. Let's read verse 3. For this is love that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. They're not hard. For this is the love of God. Here's what it is. Keep his commandments. So the Bible is saying, if you want to find someone who loves God, look for someone who will do whatever he says. Don't look for the person who says he loves God. Look for the person who does what God says. That's the person who loves God. That's biblical identification of a lover of God. Now we go to 2 John and we'll read verse 6. When you read from a Bible book that only has one chapter, you just call the verse. You don't say 2 John chapter 1. You just say 2 John verse 6. I just thought I'd let you know that so you can be sophisticated in your practice of your religion. 2 John 6, this is love that we keep his commandments. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. John is stressing love, obedience, love, obedience. There is no love where there is no obedience. None. Now, you can have church membership without obedience. You can be a church member and not obey God. You cannot be a child of God and not obey God. All right. Let's go back to John 14. <clears throat> John 14, reading from verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. We talked about that this morning in our smaller session, talked about spiritual excellence. There is a level of interaction with God that is only possible to those who obey him. There is a revelation of God's love, a deeper revelation of God's love that is only given to those who obey him. Listen to the words again. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And 23 says... If a man love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. There are tremendous benefits to loving God, which is another way of saying there are tremendous benefits to obeying God. Now, we have established that love is obedience. Then flip that. What is disobedience? Hate. Mm-hmm. As difficult as it may be for you to say it, disobedience to God is hatred of God. 
Now remember, when you study the Bible, you must not study the Bible from your point of view. You must study the Bible from God's point of view. Disobedience to God is hatred. Let's read the second commandment. We also went through that yesterday, I believe, in one of my sessions. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. We're reading the second commandment. I believe I think it believes in, begins in verse 4. Our subject, in love and lost. Do you have Exodus 20, reading from verse 4? Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that do what? Hate me. Keep that in mind. God say, I will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So we have love me and keep my commandments. Then how do we view those who hate God? They just don't keep his commandments. So the second commandment tells us, God shows his favor upon those who love him and keep his commandments or love him and express that love by keeping his commandments. Those who hate him are those who disobey his commandments. Let me say it again. Disobedience to God is hatred of God. Having said that, <clears throat> let's go to Matthew 10. Matthew 10 we shall read verse 37 of Matthew 10. Our subject, lost or in love and lost. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew the publican. Matthew was a businessman. Well, he was a tax collector. He was also a thief. Tax collectors were thieves. But he met Christ and Christ changed his life. And he wrote the first book of the New Testament. When you meet Christ, he can change your life Totally and completely. Do you hear what I'm saying? Saul of Tarsus was a murderer. He met Christ and he went from being a murderer to being a man who gave his life for the cause of the gospel. God can change your life from east to west. If you're going from west to east, he changes you in the opposite direction completely. Matthew 10, 37. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Okay. That gives us another clue about loving God. Listen and think. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Now, what does more than me mean in that verse? All right, here's God. This is God. Let's pick blue in the Bible means obedience, loyalty, the commandments. So this is God. Let me put it in the right hand. All right. Elvis says green means hope, but we'll use green for something negative. Okay. He that loveth father more than me is not worthy of me. Now, here's father, here's God. Which one does the person love more? Father. So we put father up here. This is God. 
The Bible says, if you put anyone above me, you're not worthy of me. Let's use this precise words of the verse. He that loveth father or mother. <laughs> uh, mother in a red dress. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Now, if you look at the verse as it's written, what God is saying, here's a man who loves me, but he loves someone more than me. Ah, Now, that is the same thing as hating God. Let me say it again. He that loveth father or mother more than me, that's father, that's God. That person is not worthy of me. The verse suggests that the person loves God, but loves someone else more than God. In that situation, effectively, that person hates God. Now, let's see how Luke says the same thing. Go to Luke 14. Let's read verse 26. <clears throat> you must pray for my voice. I'm feeling something in it. And I have to speak tomorrow, and I have to speak for Pastor Benjamin's church this weekend. So you say, Lord, strengthen that man's voice. What book did I say? What chapter? What verse? If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, finish the verse, he cannot be my disciple. There's an interesting word that Jesus uses in that verse. What's the word that's interesting? Hate. Now, Matthew says, he that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy in me. Luke is more blunt. Luke says, when you put God first, it's as if you hate everyone else. Which means, the only way you can truly love God is if God is where? First. You cannot love God if he's second. Listen to Luke. If any man come unto me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters and his own life. Matthew says, if any man love father and mother more than me. What Luke and Matthew combine are saying, to love someone more than God is to hate God. I could ask the question tonight, how many of you hate God? No one would raise a hand. I could ask the question, how many of you think there's something you put ahead of God, you may with honesty raise your hand. If you raise your hand, you hate God. Let's go to uh, Genesis. Genesis 29, we shall read verses 30 and 31. Our subject, in love and lost. Genesis 29, reading verses 30 and 31. This is said about Jacob regarding Rachel and Leah. And he went in also unto Rachel. And he loved also Rachel more than Leah. And he served with him. 
yet seven more years, or seven other years. Now, the verse says, and he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah. The verse is very clear. The Bible says, Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. So here is Rachel, here is Leah, and Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. By the way, you should only have one wife, not two, or one and a half, just one. Jacob had two. He loved Rachel more than Leah. Here's what the Bible says in verse 31. Read it with me. And when what? When the Lord saw that Leah was hated. What does that mean? Well, not, not, not severely not loved, but what? It closed. Loveless. God calls that what? Hatred. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Sarah was barren. Let's go to Malachi chapter 1. Our subject, in love and lost. Malachi chapter 1, the last book of the Old Testament. We always quote from that book when we're picking up tithe and offerings. Bring you all the tithe into the storehouse. That's Matthew 3.10. We love that verse. Do you have Matthew 3? Not Matthew, Malachi. Matthew's right next to Malachi, but I want Math Malachi. Malachi 1, reading verse 1. If you've got it, say Amen. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Now you pick up the reading with me nice and loud. Yet I loved Jacob, keep reading, we're in verse 3 now, and I hated Esau. Who is speaking? God. Here's Jacob. Here's Esau. God said, I, this is Jacob, I love Jacob. This is Esau. And I, now God doesn't hate anyone. Jacob was God's choice from the womb, not Esau. God expresses that as, I love Jacob, I hated Esau. Listen to me carefully. Anytime you love God less or you love something more than God, you hate God even though you think you love him. So you're a young couple. <clears throat> you just had your first child. Your whole world revolves around that child. The child decides when you go to church, how much involvement you give to uh, evangelism, how much time you study the Bible, how much time you pray that child becomes and God takes second place. You hate God. You've put the child above God. You just got married. Same thing. All the time. The wife or the husband. No time for God. You just got a job with a big corporation, IBM. You're a senior manager, 50,000 ringgit a week. 
Is that too little? <laughs> too much. <laughs> you don't have much ambition. All your life revolves around the work, impressing the fallen managers, fellow managers, going to functions. No time for God. You love that job, but you hate God. Now let's go to Genesis. Chapter 2, verses 16, 17. In love and lost. Genesis 2, 16, 17. The Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Let's pause. What's that big word in the first sentence of Genesis 2.16? Commanded. Now, what does God require from us regarding his commandments? Give me one word. Obedience, which can also be called love. Now, we come in contact with the first issue of a commandment in the Bible. Wherever God gives a commandment, what does God want? Obedience, which is love. Now, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. The command was, don't eat. What did God want? The response of obedient love. Let's go to chapter 3. Reading from verse 1, our subject, In Love and Lost. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, he shall not surely die. Now, we've got two statements of authority. In verse 17 of chapter 2, God says, if you eat, what will happen? You will die. In verse 4 of chapter 3, the devil says, if you eat, you live. If you say you shall not surely die, well, you live. Now, Adam and Eve had to decide who to obey. We know they partook of the fruit. We know they sinned. Listen to God <clears throat> speaking to Adam. Chapter 3, let's go to verse 17. Our subject, in love and lost. And I'm deliberately trying to make this a short message tonight. I've tried every night, failed. I'll try tonight because of the voice. Verse 17, and unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. Stop. There is another long word in the first part of that verse. What is that word? Hearkened. What was the long word in verse 16 of chapter 2? Commandment. Now, give me a short word for hearken. Obey. Because you obeyed the voice of your wife. And has eaten of the fruit of which I commanded thee, saying, here comes that big word again. Thou shalt not eat it. Curse is the ground for thy sake. God is telling Adam, I give you a command. Your wife gave you one. 
Hmm? You chose hers above mine. Do you realize, you know, one of the things I love about the Bible, it does not try to hide anything. Listen to me carefully. There's a reason why the Bible includes in its earliest chapters the account of how this world became what it is. Someone put a family member ahead of God. We're talking about the closest union on the face of the earth. A man and his wife. Closer than a mother and her baby. It is so close, God uses that symbol to express the union between himself and what? The church. Not mother-father or a mother-child. Husband-wife. It's the closest bond on the face of the earth. Adam put his wife ahead of God. Listen to God complaining. Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. Because you've obeyed your wife. And because you obeyed your wife, you had to disobey me. You see, you can't obey the devil and God at the same time. So listen to the verse. Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, in other words, you obeyed her, and hast eaten of the tree. Did God say eat or did he say not to eat? He said not to eat. By eating, what did Adam do? He disobeyed. Listen to God. Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, you obeyed her, and disobeyed me. What's the result? Cursed. This earth is cursed because someone put a family member ahead of God. And we do that all the time. We may put a friend ahead of God, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. We may put our education ahead of God so we study on Sabbath. We take exams on Sabbath. And when we should be worshiping God with a clear mind, our minds are in the classroom, in the laboratory where we have some experiment to do. We, we, we put things ahead of God, but we say we love God. And God complains, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their hearts are what? Far from me. Here is Adam, and he looks at Eve, beautiful woman. She has the fruit partially eaten in her hand, or maybe a brand new one she brought for him. And she says, listen, I have eaten this thing, and I don't feel any ill effects. I'm, I, I feel fine. Actually, I feel higher. <clears throat> Eat it. Join me. Now, Adam looked at Eve. Clearly, he loved his wife a lot. And praise God for husbands who love their wives and wives who love their husbands. But he had to make a choice. God and Eve. Did Adam hate God really? From our point of view, did he hate God when he joined Eve in that sin? Not really. Not from a he No, he loved God. But he loved Eve more. Spiritually then, that was what? Hatred of God. Listen to me. Spiritually, Adam hated God. But he felt in his heart he loved him. So he was in love with God, but lost. You know how many people in church love God and are lost? Because something in their lives 
is ahead of God. My brother, my sister, you can only love God when God is in position one. If God is not first, you cannot love God. God requires a love that places him on the throne of our hearts and no one sits next to him except Jesus. I hope you are receiving the seriousness of what I'm saying. So many of us will come to God in the judgment. As Matthew 7.21 says, Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Ah, what a terrible thing. You spent all your life in church. You were the deacon, you were the deaconess, you were everything. Same person, deacon and deaconess. Huh? And you've done this and done that for the church and you organize army of youth and everything and then you come to the judgment and God says, who are you? And you say, but I was a deacon. And I was AY leader. And I return tithe every week. And God says, I don't know you. Depart from me. <laughs> listen to Jesus as he says two things. Just listen, don't turn in your Bible. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, just listen. Come unto me. Hmm? Come to me. Now here's Jesus again. Depart from me. He cursed into everlasting fire. On what basis will he say, depart? You did not show love for me. You showed love for your husband. <clears throat> so you spent all your time with him and had no time for the Bible. You showed love for your job, so you worked overtime all the time. Came home late every night. No time for study. Question for you. Do you love God? If you do, there is no person and no thing that can come between you and God. If something comes before God, you do not love God. You love the idea of God, not God. Adam, from his point of view, felt he loved God. But the only love God accepts is a love that puts him first. Let me say that again. You cannot love God when God is in position two. That is biblical hatred. Because you're lost in love. I love Jesus. Lost. Mm -hmm. Question for you again. Are you willing to put aside anything that's ahead of God? When I say put aside, don't panic. I don't mean divorce your wife. Don't panic. <clears throat> Are you willing to put anything else in its proper place? That's what I should say. Here's God, here's your child. You just had three months old, blue eyes, green eyes, pink eyes. <laughs> Chubby fingers and feet. Nice child, everybody worships a child. Are you willing to put that child where the child belongs and God where he belongs? You just got engaged. 
You go to church, you sit next to the guy you're engaged to. You're so close, it's as if you're sitting in his lap. You can't even hear the sermon because you're listening to his heart beat for you. Are you willing to put him where he belongs? Or put her where she belongs? Your whole life is your job. You spent all these years in college, all the thousands of dollars your parents paid. Now you've got a master's of business administration. You've got a high-paying job. You have to commit yourself to that work. Are you willing to put that job where it belongs? You're 16, 17, you have friends who are not converted. They seem to be the ones telling you what's right and wrong. Are you willing to put them where they belong? Actually, they belong way over here. My brothers, my sisters, and so you are to me. Tonight, make up your mind. Father, there is something I have been putting before you. Tonight, I make the decision to put you in the proper place first. Listen to me again. Only from position one can anyone truly love God. Anything else is hatred. I read somewhere in Eloi's writings, actually, I have I've carried it for years, maybe 15 years, in my wallet. I'll show you what I've never shown my wife. <laughs> I don't want to sleep in the yard. I have some little quotations from Ellen White on these pieces of paper. I've carried them about 15 years in my wallet. Now, let me read for you what one of them says. Listen carefully. If I forget this, remind me. I said, remind me. If I forget my wallet on this pulpit. <clears throat> no, let me read this one. This, this one would really cause you to go crazy, so let me read this one. <laughs> For years, light has been given me upon this point. Let me say that again. Eloi says, for years, light has been given to her on a certain point. Here is the point. Showing the necessity of following up an interest that has been raised. And in no case leaving it until all have decided that lean toward the truth. In other words, she's saying, when a preacher is doing the work of God and someone has an interest... He should stay with that work until all that has to be done is done. When an interest in God is aroused, that preacher must allow nothing to take him away from that. Okay, she goes on to say, There are no circumstances of sufficient importance to call a minister from an interest created by the presentation of truth. Keep listening. Even sickness and death are of less consequence than the salvation of souls for whom Christ made so immense a sacrifice. Even sickness and death. Let me tell you what happened to me. A few years ago I was in Indonesia preaching <clears throat> in a place called Bandung. Ever heard of it? There's an Adventist college, a lovely little college. 
I was doing a week of prayer. In the middle of the week of prayer, I got an email, your brother is dead, come home. I said, well, I can't go home because I can't raise him. I'm very serious. Now, here I am preaching to young people such as you, hundreds of them, making appeals. I get this email, your brother is dead. My younger brother, come home. So I don't recall exactly what I said. I know what I decided. I don't recall what I said in the email. Is that I cannot come back because I'm doing the Lord's work. I can't live, leave living people for whom I can do something. To go to a dead person for whom I can do nothing, even though he's my flesh and blood. So I wrote back and said, I cannot come. I got emails saying this and that and that, and I stayed. I hope my mother never hears this recording. <laughs> when I got home, ooh. Mm. I won't tell you what she said because she's God's child, but she had just lost her son. And her older boy, her firstborn son, did not come. He's the preacher. He goes all over the world. He should have come to be the spiritual shoulder on which everyone leaned. He did not come. And so she let me have it. I just sat there. And I took every bit of it. Other people said, what do you want? Some young people who knew my brother loved him, they said, I will never listen to that man preach. How can he preach to people and not come to his brother's funeral? My position was, I had learned from the writings of Ellen White. You do not leave God's work, whether someone is sick or dead. Because God's work must come before everything else. I was reading the biography of Ellen White. I can get that quotation for you tomorrow. <clears throat> she, had, she had just had a child. You know how mothers are when they've just had a child. Even the father has to back off. And she got a call from God to go preach. And she had to leave that baby. You know what she wrote? She said, I put the child out of my mind. And I went to do the Lord's work. Because she understood God's work must come ahead of everything else and everyone else. Is it easy? No. Is it required? Yes. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Tough stuff. If Adam had kept that principle and kept God <clears throat> above Eve, we would not be in this condition today. And so I close the book. If there is anything in your life, let me tell you something else as I keep it short. I was in South Africa at a youth conference several years ago, and uh, 
I met the youth director who organized the conference. He and I were chatting. And I told him about this quotation I carry with me. My wife has never seen it. She really hasn't. And don't give her this recording. And uh, he had never heard it. So he went and checked. He read it himself. So I left South Africa, went back home. Several weeks later, he sent me an email. He said, Elder Skeet, I was conducting a crusade in such and such a place. In the middle of the crusade, my wife got very sick. And he called me, come home. And when a man's wife is sick, a man should go home. He said, I almost shut down the crusade to go home. But I remembered what you had said, that Ellen White said, and I had read it for myself. And I said to God, Father, my wife is sick. She's your daughter. She's my wife, but your daughter. You take care of her. I am staying to do your work. <clears throat> he said, I stayed. He said, the Lord did a miracle for his wife. But three months ago, I got an email from a young man in India. He worked with me about last year while I was there preaching. <clears throat> Very committed young fellow. <clears throat> I also told him that. He'd never heard it. He was in Nepal preaching. Somehow, I didn't know if SMSs could get through to Nepal, but he got one. Your wife is sick. Come home. He said... He remembered what I had told him. I don't want you to think I'm running around making people break up their hands. <laughs> That's not what I'm doing. He remembered what I said, and he decided, I am not leaving these young people. Let God take care of my wife. And he stayed. God wants a people who will put him first. Under any circumstance. Now when you are like that. No Sunday law can intimidate you. Are you with me? Because when the Sunday law is passed. You have to choose. The beast. Over Christ. And if we don't practice that determination. To put God first now. There is no way. When the Sunday law is passed, you and I can be faithful to God. We will buckle, we will bend, we will give up God to save our lives and worship the beast by keeping Sunday. <clears throat> so you've got this conference and you want to go to missionary work in wherever and Sarawak and wherever. Is God really first? You can put him first tonight by an act of the will. And the will is that part of you where you make decisions, yes, no. That's why we're told, give the will to God. Then he affects your yeses and noes. You know, preachers always say, give your heart. Yes, give your will to God. That capacity to say, yes, no, choose this day whom you shall serve. That's the will. Give it to God. By an act of the will tonight, you can say, by the grace of God, I will put God first in my life. You've got to renew that every day. I tell my wife, <clears throat> my mother, well, I told my sister to tell my mother. I didn't tell her. Oh, I told my sister. I told my mother, I think, please don't die while I'm away. <laughs> I told my wife, do not die, thou shalt not die when I am away because I am not coming back. 
I am not shutting down a crusade to go bury a dead person. However much my heart may break and I may want to be there. You know what God did to Abraham? God waited till Abraham was old and weak. Ellen White tells us that. And then he said, give me your son. I believe the son meant more to Abraham than Sarah did. Eloi said God deliberately waited till he was weak and old at a hundred, more than a hundred, hundred and something. Then God said, give me that child. Isaac meant everything to Abraham. And God had to test Abraham. Am I truly first or do you have Isaac ahead of me? Kill him. Get him out of the way. The only thing in the Bible harder than that was God the Father sending Jesus. And Abraham got up. <clears throat> His heart was probably broken in a thousand pieces, but he obeyed God. I want you tonight to make a decision, a commitment. Father, come what may, help me to put you first in everything and at all times. Listen again. I want you by an act of the will today to say, Father, help me to put you first at all times and under all circumstances. If you will make that commitment now, mess your right hand and leave it up. Stand with me. <clears throat> don't be in love and lost like Adam was of course he was eventually saved because he confessed his sin he had to have confessed his sin to be covered in the skins representing the righteousness of Christ second call is this someone listening to me you are aware that there's something you put ahead of God you are aware there is something or someone you consistently put ahead of God. Is there someone like that? If there is, come right here quickly, because I want to go to my room, rest my voice. You know in your heart there is something or someone you consistently put ahead of God, meaning while you're in church singing hymns, you hate God. Come. And tonight we'll change that. Tonight, this is what you've had ahead of God. We'll do that by an act of the will. You're going to do that tonight. If you don't want to serve God by putting him first, just leave him. Makes no sense to go to church every Sabbath and then go to hell. If you know <clears throat> there is something you've been putting ahead of God and you want to make that change, this is God, blue obedience. You want to do that by an act of the will, a choice. Come. The person you have ahead of God did not die on Calvary for you. So it makes no sense. The person you put ahead of God is not the person you go to when the crisis. You say, oh God, people pray for me. You go to the same God you have in position two. Put God where he belongs, position one. You cannot love God if he's in position two. You can love church, not God. Anyone else? Then I'll pray and we're finished. 
Heads bowed, eyes closed. <clears throat> Father in heaven, your word says from the lips of Jesus, he that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Speaking through Luke, from the book of Luke, Jesus says, If any man come to me and hate not his mother, his father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, and his own life, which means we must put you ahead of our own lives. If we don't do that, Jesus says, we cannot be his disciples. We cannot be that army of youth for him. Father in heaven, the test you gave to Abraham is a test for every child of Abraham. We must learn to be willing to sacrifice our Isaacs to show you how much we love you. And so, dear God, in the name of Jesus, whom you gave up to show your love for us, let us make that act of the will now by saying in our hearts, Dear God, sorry for putting my boyfriend ahead of you, or my girlfriend ahead of you, <clears throat> or my education ahead of you, or my work ahead of you, or my child ahead of you, or my spouse ahead of you. Forgive me, dear God. And tonight, with the help of your Spirit, I place you first in my life because I truly want to love you. Father, give us the grace to do that right now so that we leave this place knowing we have chosen to put you first. Bless us, dear God. Give us what we don't deserve. Bless us. Bless every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice. As we leave this place, we leave knowing that God is ahead. Everyone else behind God. Watch over us tonight, dear God. Bring us back tomorrow, I pray, from my heart. In Jesus' name, let God's people say, Amen and Amen. God bless you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.